Android and Windows phones. This is 90.1 KPFT Houston, kpft.org worldwide. You are experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. Nice shout out to our friends at Sound Awake, always exciting us with their great picks of music and inspiring us to pick cool sounds as well. We hope you like that throwback to Lighter Shade of Brown from way back when. I'm Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. We got Jack helping us on the boards today. Appreciate you stepping up, my friend. Good afternoon, Houston. Hey, and of course, folks, you know that you can catch me Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays. Sundays at 7 a.m. on Fox 26 Houston with What's Your Point, where I argue with right-wingers <laughs> and <laughs> burn some bridges that need to be burned. Mondays at noon, I post a new column on the Cultural Accelerator at TonyDiaz.net. And Tuesdays, here we are again. Now, if you think you can help out, today we actually have a planning meeting right after the show. You can learn how to get more involved 
with the, either the radio program or because we're celebrating the first full year after that un-American law banning Mexican cities in Arizona has been overturned, we are marking 2018 by bringing back the Nuestra Palabra live literary showcases. So this next one, we haven't had one in a little while. We've had other events, of course, because we weren't going to sit still. But we suspended our monthly showcases once we started caravanning banned books across borders. We're so happy that everybody teamed up to overturn that law that we want to get back to basics. So at the end of every last Wednesday of every month, we'll have a showcase featuring Latino writers. But we've also changed it up a bit because in the process, we've engendered a lot of different spots, including Tintero Projects. Actually, Lupe now has a podcast also called Inkwell. There's other places that perform, so many other writers. So that's great. But we've changed the Nuestra Palabra monthly showcase to include non-poets, writers, and playwrights as well. And the idea then is to let people who are leaders, who are um, running for office, who are mentors to come speak as well. So we're getting back into the groove Wednesday, July 31st, 7 p.m. You know it's free. And you remember it's over at Talento Bilingue de Houston, 333 South Jensen. We've got some fantastic featured writers, including Daniel Peña, celebrating his new book, Bang. And our focus is education. So it's important to tell you that he's also a professor. And I think what's key is that he knows how the community works, how the page works. Also on that lineup, Sineria Ordaniz, who is now the interim director of the Houston Hispanic Forum. She's going to tell you her journey and how that's inspired her to now head up the Houston Hispanic Forum, which is a huge event at the Georgia Brown Convention Center where so many students go to find out more about getting into college. I know you know about that event. Perhaps you don't know about the heart and soul of its new leader. She's not a poet or writer, but her story is going to touch your heart and inspire you. And that's what Nuestra Palabra has always been about. We've always tweaked the showcase in different ways, shape, or form. Now it's going to adapt to that. We've also added another writer, our dear friend Maria Elena Cortez. You know her as a dear friend, a great, fantastic writer who wrote My Annoying Little Brother, um, as well as some other books. She has been diagnosed with cancer, but she is using that as a chance to keep giving back to the community. So from kids right from right to know to right to live. And she's going to be also inspiring us with her story as well. And you, we still have some open mic spots. Give us a call, drop us an email. But as always, we are here to serve you. That's why Nuestra Palabra started. It was the live showcases first. And then it became the radio show. And then Libro Traficantes. And so many other things as well. So today, we're welcoming you to a condensed show. We're actually making up for the shows we had to uh, postpone and change up because of the ice storms. And we've got some guests to get to in a little bit. But I do want to let you know, typically we can talk more about a lot of different issues there's so much to get to. Of course, we wish we had more time to talk about what went on with the government shutdown, the Trump shutdown, to also fill you in on what's going on with DACA and TPS, Temporary Protective Status. We encourage you to stay tuned after Nuestra Palabra. So we end at 7 p.m. and Coming to America begins. And on that program, they will have more time to talk about what's going on with DACA and TPS. I, I will say this, because we do have to address this. I am very disappointed with the turn of events. And I'll put it this way. The Democrats who caved in don't have the heart and stomach to win elections in 2018. The Republicans are ready to do anything to either gain power and or stay in power. And one example is that terrible person, Roy Moore in Alabama, 
Not only did he give up a Supreme Court seat in Alabama twice because he got run off for not following the law, he had the nerve, after all these terrible accusations, to still run for Senate. I'm so proud of the Alabama voters who shunned that bad hombre, even though President Donald Trump, who claims to want immigration laws to stop bad hombres, well, evidently he endorsed a bad hombre instead. He didn't thoroughly vet that guy, I guess. But not only did Roy Moore show you what the new breed of Republicans are willing to do for power, which is anything, he still did not concede after he lost. He's probably still block-walking right now. That is who the Democratic Party is up against. And Democrats had leverage. They buckled under the Republicans' demands. And I don't see how the Democrats who buckled will be able to compete in an election coming up. Of course, there are primaries coming up. There are uh, elections. And I do want you to know, even today, I signed up five new voters. My goal is to sign up a 1,000 voters. We're also going to have, it's not just enough to get registered to vote. I know if you listen to us, you know it's important. That's not good enough. You've got to get deputized to be a volunteer deputy registrar. We're going to tell you how to do that at the next showcase. At the next showcase, we're going to get have a specific date for you to show up to start registering voters, and we're going to unleash a very cool campaign as well. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. If we have time, I will get back to it. Also, on my new column in the Cultural Accelerator at TonyDiaz.net, I'm not going to read the whole piece to you. I encourage you to go check it out. The title is Get Over the Wall. Because if Trump wants to play ball, he's got got to get over the wall. And here's just two two quick lines from it. Latino baseball players have contributed a lot to the great American pastime of baseball, just like our community has contributed a lot to the nation. If you want to play ball, get over that wall and think about it. Altuve was named MVP. A Venezuelan... (laughs) was named the MVP for the All-American Sport of Baseball. On top of that, he plays for the American League. You can't get more American than that. Get over the wall. You can go to the Cultural Accelerator at TonyDiaz.com. And I will add one more thing about the showcase. We encourage dreamers who want to tell their stories. We know you take a risk by telling your story. We want to invite them to the safe base of our showcase. Send us an email if you'd like to share your story. If you can't come this last Wednesday of the month in January, we are your home also in February as well, Thursday, as we go towards our 20th anniversary this Wednesday, April 25th. It'll be 20 years of the live showcase. We are here to serve. And again, today after the show, we'll be convening with volunteers who want to help out here at the station they'll they'll show up at 7 p.m and we're gonna make sure that folks can get involved at every level from reading their poems to helping out flyers to helping pass out the surveys but that's what this is all about we're gonna take a short musical break and we'll be back with nuestra palabra latino artists having to say on the air hey jack you got some smooth tunes for us take it away Every time you take one step, something pulls you back. But you get back up each time you fall. Eh. Wicked people and bad minds lurking in the dark. But I have no fear, I walk with that.
Every time you hear this song, put your lighters up. Keep the fire burning in your soul, yeah. Good vibrations everywhere. Feel it in your bones. Too blessed to be stressed is what I say. Say it again. And we are back. You're experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. And this is the radio portion of the work that we do. This actually began in 2001. Now, the live 3D showcase that was the original impetus of Nuestra Palabra, that began in 1998. So we'll be celebrating the live showcase's 20th anniversary this April. And we'll be convening every fourth Wednesday of the month leading up to that, just like we used to do back in the day. That's before we were Libertaficantes, before in the radio show, and now well, we are making history at many levels. So our radio program transmissions are archived at the University of Houston Digital Archive, which is so cool. And then the hard copies is preserved at the Houston Public Library Special Archives. Now, we are dealing with a lot of legacies. Right now on the air, he was supposed to be on the air last week, but we had to preempt our own show because of the weather and the shutdown due to the ice. But I, I want to tell this story about Ted Anton. The first Latino that I ever read was P.D. Thomas, Down These Mean Streets. And that was a book handed to me by my creative writing instructor and mentor at DePaul University. I was a junior taking a creative writing class when this very inspirational writer leading the class would tell me things like, you should write about your background. And I would think, well, he's just being nice. You know, you don't read about Mexicans in short stories, obviously, you know. And I read that novel and it changed my whole life. And I can safely say there might not be any Nuestra Palabra had there not been that book in my hands or that class with Ted Anton or this writer. I want to welcome Ted Anton to Nesta Palabra. We'll be talking about his new book, Planet of Microbes, The Perils and Potential of Earth's Essential Organisms. Ted, welcome to the airwaves. Well, well thank you, Tony. And, and I don't know if your no listeners know it, but you are a um, very talented comic novelist. And, uh, and you've taken it way farther than, than I ever did. Oh, that's very kind of you, and I really appreciate you being the, the epitome of a mentor and professor, always pushing us to, to excel. So it's very nice of you to be nice to be Thank on you. our radio show. <laughs> My pleasure. And I really enjoyed your reading last week at Brazos Bookstore. Uh, tell, tell folks a little bit about the book. Well, um, 
So uh, we're we're going through a, a, a revolution in understanding uh, these uh, microorganisms and their pivotal roles on the planet and in our bodies, in our health. Uh, for all, most of uh, uh, the recent past, uh, they were the enemy to be killed. Um, they caused uh, anthrax and polio and tuberculosis and malaria and the plague. And only trouble is we've now learned that they um, are also vital to our survival, and uh, so we're in a kind of a golden age right now of understanding what the microbiome does on the planet and in our own bodies. And these are very heady topics, but, <laughs> but, but I love that you, you do write as a very thorough researcher investigator, but some beautiful prose as well, and hopefully you'll be able to, to share some of that with oh, us. Oh, my pleasure. Um, but do you go out of your way? I mean, as you're, as you're writing, do you have to worry about all those as well as other facets? Yeah, I, I, I believe, uh, you know, science writing is an art form, every bit as creative as a great short story or a poem. And, and uh, you know, it was a scientist who told me that. He said, uh, science doesn't belong to the scientist, mm. and you should go to that obscure melody that you hear that nobody else hears that's potent that yeah. is potent that's fantastic and and how long and you told folks yeah. uh how long it took you to write this why don't you share that with us well this one was relatively uh a fast it was three years the previous one took 11 years uh, longevity seekers so um I uh, I traveled uh, to various conferences. People always ask, uh, "How do you do your research?" I go out to see the the labs to see, to hang with the scientists when they're doing their field work. For example, Yellowstone National Park, and uh, yeah, it took three years. Well, and, and I think the other thing too is you're saying that's fast <laughs> because <you> know, <laughs> yeah. there's some folks listening too that are like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you're also a professor. And you also right. and you also do other writing endeavors as well, so right. uh, um, you know I hate being asked this where you find yeah. the time, but I gotta ask oh. you where do you where do you find the time to do all of that? Well, um, you know it's a labor of love, and uh, uh, I like uh, the fact that um, right now I'm 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 teaching science writing, so it's very um, synonymous. It's very symbiotic use the term from the book, with my teaching, uh, to go out and do the work and then come back and teach it. And uh, I, um, um, I'm very fortunate to, uh, you know, now be a full professor and teach in two classes a term. And uh, I got my summers off. And, and we also can apply for leaves. And that gives us some support to, to finish the book. That's great because, just like you said, there should not be any borders confining uh, the writing of science material. Neither there should should there be any borders in the life of a writer. I love it because when, when I met you as an undergraduate, yeah. you were beginning the master's program at DePaul University. So yeah. writing can can overlap, and you can lead a fulfilled life and do do what you want. I, that, that's kind of the testament I see, the example you're setting. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean you're one of our Talmud Star alums, but um, uh. One thing I do like to tell uh, listeners, uh, young people who are interested in writing, or or more mature people like me, um, uh, you know, this is a great field. It's wide open to write about health, technology, medicine. Um, you know, uh, you can elect yourself to that club, and it's it's a good field for jobs, for opportunities, because not that many people are doing it. And you're, you're, serving, you're, you're performing a service for the scientists because they don't have the time or the inclination to communicate with the public, although they're supposed to as <laughs> part of their grant. <laughs> really? So that's when they get money somewhere buried yeah. in there. <laughs> right. And so you're helping them out. So <laughs> my, my uh, students find, you know, if you email a researcher, they'll often respond. Um, they should. I mean, that's part of their job communicate to the public because we support their work that's exciting and yeah. it, you had also mentioned that there's ways for folks to give some twitter support and and social yeah. media support to some of these institutions 
Yeah, well, for example, and I know you're a big um, Twitter man, um, NASA has terrific social media, and, and so the listeners can download the apps from NASA, uh, our government space agency, for free. Uh, I have several of them, including Be a Martian, so I get the daily weather <laughs> report from Mars, uh, from Curiosity, which is an amazing rover, uh, still going, size of a, of a small minivan, nuclear-powered. And, um, and, and then when they have conferences, I've noticed they use a lot of young people, people who are like students or graduate assistants, to tweet about the, the um, presentations that are going on right then and there. Uh, so it, it seems to me they're hiring people um, to do their social media. That's really cool. And, and on top of it, you know, we we, we yeah. got to make everything political. So those are the real aliens. So people should do <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Before before um, they want to build a wall around Earth, maybe. You know? Right. Hey, They're but, out there. I'm sure. And I think in our lifetime we will detect them. They're out there. The question is, can we find them? Mm. Now, before I'm going to warm you up so you can get a, a couple paragraphs to read I to our radio listeners, I do want to give a shout out to your 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 first book, Eros, Magic, and the Murder of Professor Kulianu, which was a really exciting book about uh, an, a political assassination here in the U.S. Let's let's give it a shout out because it was your you. your baby, and we'll talk about your new baby. All right, yeah. So, um, yeah, that book is still in print. It's still available. Uh, there's uh, interest in a documentary on Netflix, maybe someday, or a movie. It would be great either way, uh, because it's it's a true story of a professor, unsolved murder, shot once in the back of the head in the middle of the day, at the University of Chicago campus, on a beautiful May spring day. And he was a professor of magic, and he taught divination, how to tell the future. And uh, he was also a, um, a political commentator. Uh, so he seemed to uh, cross a line from, for somebody, nobody knows who, um, in his own writing. Uh, he believed that a writer creates worlds and makes them so real they become real. In a sense, he... he he was prefiguring fake news, <laughs> and it came back. Somebody uh, thought what he was doing was so dangerous, they shot him. Man, and it's still a very powerful book, also published by University of Chicago Press. Now, uh, if you'd be kind enough, ladies and gentlemen, here yeah. in Nuestra Palabra, we're happy yeah. to bring you a reading of an excerpt from Planet of Microbes, The Perils and Potential of Earth Essentials, Life Forms, by Ted Anton. All right, so here is a NASA researcher. We talked about NASA, who, Sandra Pizzarello, who is studying the amino acids that are found on the surface of comets. As a matter of fact, um, a lot of the building blocks of life are found on the surface of comets. At the NASA conference in Chicago, Sandra Pizzarello quizzed me on my book. Here, you finish it. She handed me half of her salad. She stood up to head to a conference session, and I looked out at a gathering rainstorm on the street. Out on Michigan Avenue, in the June summer heat that built anvil-shaped clouds over the lake, car horns blared and the sidewalk shimmered. Tell me if you need anything more, Pizzarella called, as the city swept by and pedestrians rushed before the storm. Hunched and running to the L, I thought of Saul Bellow's character, Tommy Wilhelm, and seized the day, finding himself in the, quote, great, great crowd, the inexhaustible current of millions of every race and kind pouring out, pressing round, of every age, of every genius, possessors of every human secret, antique and future, in every face the refinement of one particular motive or essence. I labor, I spend, I strive, I design, I love, I cling, I uphold, I felt, suddenly, alive to the strivings of many organisms, above and below and inside of me, and realized how not alone I was. Man, that's what's up. Thank <laughs> you so much. That was Ted Anton, my mentor. Thank you so much for changing the world with words. You're welcome, Tony. Thank you. Hey, you're experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. We're going to take a short 
musical break and then we will be back with Carolina Reyes talking about Alma Inventa at Stages Repertory. the soundtrack to a revolution you can join the mosh pit too which is called a menudo if it's a rock and espanol party today we're hanging out with volunteers after the show 7 to 8 p.m here at 419 love it boulevard houston Texas. and you can help us either you know why you can work your way up to jack jack's helping us on the board today doing a great job and, of course, you can maybe help with the social media or if you really want to get involved with the community, too, in person, because we're involved with the community here. They listen to us. But you can meet them directly at our showcases, which we'll be getting help for that as well. And that one will be live Wednesday, January 31st. And right now on the phone joining us is Carolina Reyes, who will be telling us about the uh, the b- big uh, theater event coming up at Stages Theater, Sin Fronteras, co-sponsored by Tintero Projects. She is involved in the piece called Alma Inventa, and a few highlights from her theatrical background. She's been in the Rock Nativity, Hairspray, and a Godspell. On top of it, she has studied at Sam Houston University. She has a BFA in musical theater, and some of her special skills. We may have to test this. She's a teeth whistler. She can simulate crickets. I got to hear that myself to confirm it. And has intermediate aerial skills. We won't ask her for the advanced demonstration of that. Hey, Carolina, thank you for calling in. (laughs) Thank you for having me. No, by all means. And I understand you're in rehearsals right now, so you're actually practicing right now for for the big show? 
I am. Actually, I'm assistant directing the show, uh, so I'm overseeing the actors and um, being guided by my director so I can learn some of his skills as well. Oh, that's cool. So you, you are actually bullying people as you're bullied too. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to. Oh, that's that's good. So, and tell folks first. Tell folks the who, what, when, where, why, so they can we can make sure they can go and, and experience this in person. Uh, to, to, to tell you about when the show is, and yes, all that. Oh, so the show will be opening this Friday, January twenty fourth, and will run till February eleventh. Um, so you have plenty of nights to go see it in at, and um, the show deals uh, with an artist whose name is Arcadio Rojas Rodriguez, and he is a very accomplished Latino artist in the play who must create a masterpiece to sell in order to keep his studio alive. So the audience gets this surrealistic inside look at the mind of a master artist and his creative process, and throughout this whole thing, he wrestles with, with his soul to find the story he wants to tell through his art. That's potent, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's at Stephen's Repertoire Theater. Now, the the title's in Spanish. Is it in Spanish? Spanish and English? Spanglish? Yeah, it's in Spanish. It's called Alma en Venta, which is Soul on Sale, and it's written by my director, actually. He's the playwright. His name is Philip Boehm. That's exciting. Now, in your capacity... Obviously, you have to dig into the script and the staging. Any cool discoveries recently as you're going through there? There have been so many. This whole process, um, as an actor, so far, the projects I've worked on have been completely finished projects. And this project has been so interesting to work with because the scenes have been, most, most of the second act has been kind of reworked a lot. So the actors, which is incredible, have been getting have been getting new scenes throughout the past weeks, and it's incredible to watch them memorize stuff and then go back and rework stuff and finding all the all the new discoveries, like you said, in the script. Really, that those discoveries that define the meaning of the show. I love it. Now, I want our listeners to have an exclusive. Tell us one specific action or word that they can look for while they're watching, and they can say, Carolina told us about that. <laughs> Ooh, I would say the meaning behind alma. Eso. So, mm. Yes. Which already is a loaded word already. Oh, yes. But there are so many ways it's used in the show, and it's, it's incredible, really. That's fantastic. And then and it sounds like you've been in this for a while. Tell us a little bit about your story and, and yeah, your relationship. Yeah, so I, um, when I was younger, I actually grew up in Guadalajara. Eso, a, eso. A, yeah, <laughs> in Jalisco uh, when I was a kid. And we ended up moving to Texas when I was going into the fourth grade. But when I was in Mexico, my school did a lot of theater, they had like little theater competitions where you could write your own stuff and and be in it and well, they had competitions and so I liked it since I was a girl. So so you're but, tell you're telling me the country that Trump maligns actually had awesome theater programs that some of American schools don't have. Not necessarily. I think they just had a different approach. I I think Mexico is such a has such a rich culture, and the arts are very important. I mean, it's it's a colorful country, so I think that is also what really drew me into into theater down there. Mm. And coming here and and discovering my theater program in high school was just incredible. And after my freshman year of high school, I decided to to study this. And where did where did you go to high school? Which high school? I went you... to the Woodlands College Park. Mm. And you took a you took you took a class in in theater, or did you actually get to perform? Yes, I I took a theater class, and um, with with the program there, they also have shows in the evenings, which I auditioned for. And the first year, I didn't really get much, but you know, it's all about practice. So the following years, it was just amazing to to see what all I accomplished. Um, while auditioning through these shows. So we would audition, and if we got cast, uh, we would have evening rehearsals. So I was at school from, like, 
eight in the morning to nine or, or ten in the evening sometimes. So, that, yeah. That is so cool. And it's wonderful to hear that you have been so involved. Of course, here in Nostapalaro, we've been fighting for literary ethnic studies, but obviously we love all arts. And it's great to hear you pursuing your passion, and it's great that people can participate in it uh, with, the, uh, with the launch this Friday or all the way through uh, February 11th. And also, we'll try and get some flyers to pass them out at our showcase on uh, Wednesday the 31st so that more people can know to go. Now, let me ask you this. I'm sure some of our listeners who speak, uh, who are English speakers and not, do not speak Spanish, some of them are just going to go because they can still get the cadence of it. Will there be a, a way to, for the work to be translated for them? Yeah, this show is actually mostly in English. There's little phrases and songs that are in Spanish. Uh, but most of it is most of the songs are referenced in English to insert phrases that the actors say. Um, so they will definitely be able to understand the show. That's fantastic. And then what about you? What are your next projects after this? Well, um, I'm trying to see if I can work at this theater for a playwriting session because I am interested in directing and playwriting. Um, so that would probably be the next thing, do a playwriting uh, workshop and try to put it on its feet. Wow. Well, I tell you what, let us know because we'll protest if they don't do it, okay? <laughs> okay? Thank you. So thank you so much for calling in. Tell folks one more time the name of the play. I think they all know where Stages is, but say that again and how, how long it's running. For sure. So the show's name is Alma Inventa, and we're running from January 24th through February 11th. And we are located at 3201 Allen Parkway, Suite 101, Houston, Texas, 77019. Fantastic. Thank you so much for calling in. We wish you continued success, and we can't wait to see the play. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. By all means. Hey, folks, you're experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. See, we have all arts represented, all cultures, because that's what we're about. We're going to take a tiny musical break i wish we could speak to everyone longer you know what actually we've got one more guest and like i say this week we've really packed everyone in because we had to miss some shows from last week so we're going to go right to the next interview um and, and and again i tell you what we're gonna take a musical break we're gonna do some music and come back and then again apologize that if it's not running as smooth as we usually do i hope we still keep you tuned in but again we're trying to get some of the guests that we didn't have with the week that we are off and we want to thank coming to america for taking over our hour they were closer and could navigate all that ice um, we could not and of course we're always trying to make sure to get as many voices out there as possible this is Tony Diaz. We'll be right back, and you're listening to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Thank you so much for tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having your say, even if it's the first time you've stumbled upon us, or if you've been with us all these 17 years, or if you've been with us going on 20 years with our live events, 
We hope you're enjoying this glimpse into all the arts that Houston has to offer. Right now, joining us on the air is Ricardo Osmondo Francis, and he is coming back to Mecca, our dear friends over at Mecca, to present Mythic Poetic, an exhibition of new work through mesmerizing contemplative mixed-media paintings and drawings, the artist questions aspects of human existence and our relationship with each other. His lush portraits, still life, and abstract compositions depict social constructs of racial identity, economics, and the complexity of humanity, which is everything that Nuestra Palabra is about, too. He was born and raised in Houston's Third Ward. He attended the high school for the performing and visual arts and graduated from the visual arts department in 1994 and the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore, where he received a BFA in painting in 1998. As a founding member of BLAFTCO, an alternative visual art collaborative in Houston, Francis began conceptualizing and developing large-scale art projects and exhibits. We're so happy to have him on the air, and we apologize. We wanted to give him more time, but we're trying to get the folks that we didn't have on last week. Ricardo, thank you for calling in. Thank you for having me, uh, Tony. No, by all means. And first, let folks know how long the show is running and when they can go see it over at our dear friends Mecca. Uh, the show is open till February 23rd, uh, which is next, so it's next month. Uh, and, uh, the hours for Mecca, I believe, is Monday through Friday, uh, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. That's great. And what's great is you are like a hometown hero. <laughs> You're naming all these institutions that are so pivotal to our, to our community. Yes, we need to talk about your work. But, but how important was it for you to go to HSPVA? Because I think some folks may take for granted what a arts magnet school does. Um, for me, it was like a life-changing uh, moment. Um, going there, I think out of all of the time I was in school, that was the most special four years I had. I mean, college didn't even compare to HSPVA, I believe. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> No kidding. I, yeah, wow. I think it helped. It helped me to understand uh, a lot about uh, being an artist, how to uh, exist as an artist in life, um, and it just helped me even get through uh, college by going to HSPVA. So um, I'm I'm honored and I'm glad that I went there. I, I learned a lot. That's fantastic. I, and I will yeah. say this too. I think even. Students who go and do take the arts but wind up in other fields, I, I hear nothing but praise for those years because, of course, the arts translate other skills to other fields as well. Yeah. Which is sure. great. Now, of course, you did go to a very uh, great uh, you know, college, Maryland Institute of College uh, of Art in Baltimore. And I love, though, that you still kept organizing the community with Blaftco. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Blaftco. Uh, Blasco was a four or five member art group, um, depending on the time period of who was in it. Uh, but the members were myself, Lordy Rodriguez, Dao Chung, uh, Mario Martinez, Jimmy Castillo, and for a short time, Yvonne Cabral. Uh, and they were all, uh, visual arts, uh, students at PVA as well. Uh, we kind of wanted to be the Beatles. <laughs> of uh, the art, art community in Houston. So uh, that was sort of the initial idea that was just to work on uh, our work together in a studio setting. We then uh, wanted to exhibit our works uh, in the Houston art community. Uh, and then eventually we ended up doing public art projects via Mecca. So that's how Mecca came into uh, fruition. Uh, we were offered a classroom there. Um, in exchange, we had to produce uh, art projects for Mecca, oh, as well as so cool. teach art classes. So, that, yeah, that's great because, of course, yeah. it's great to get art space, and we we get it. I mean, sometimes it could be a commercial exchange, but I think that's powerful. Then you give back to to the community through your arts classes, and then they get to see then your exhibit. And and like you said, that's how uh, Mythic Poetic came to be uh, staged at Mecca. So tell us about Mythic Poetic. Um, well, the idea for the show 
came uh, through just me going back into a time in my life when I was reading uh, Greek and Roman mythology um, as a kid. Uh, and I was inspired then by uh, a lot of those stories and our narratives about human beings and the gods and this, that, and the other. Um, so I thought it would be a great uh, idea to remake or, or redo uh, a lot of those narratives in the current work that I'm making now. I feel like uh, some of those narratives really talk about what's going on right now mm. uh, in society, both you know, socially and politically. So uh, that was that's the reasoning behind Mythic Poetic. And uh, I know people go to MeccaHouston.org to get more information. Tell us about one piece. Pick one that people can go and say, hey, I got to see that one that uh, Ricardo was talking about, Nuestra Palabra. Um. Well, I, I know it's like picking your favorite kid, right? <laughs> no, it's very difficult for me to do that. Um, there is a painting um, called Gaia El Sol, um, the Orange Lady. Um, that's a very special painting for me. Um, and the, the piece, that piece to me is just uh, about existence, about uh, Mother Earth, really. Um, it doesn't really have a social political theme is just to me an honor of life um uh but there's also a piece called uh june 15th 2016 uh which talks about the, what's going on uh in dhaka um mm. i don't want to say too much about what is in that painting i just think that uh, uh one needs to go to the exhibit to check it out and just see all of the work and uh See how you, uh, as a viewer, connects to each piece that's there. That's great. That's powerful, and yeah. I think that's that's the best way to experience an art. And and I hope people do uh, take us up on the invitation because not only are you creating world class art, but you're from our community. You're one of us. Um, yeah. What message? Uh, in, in closing, so um, what message do you think you'd want people to? to spread either about mythic poetic or about art in general, or maybe uh, about this Houston thing? Um, I think for me, I, I like open-ended questions. I think art should always be an open-ended question um, mm. with no matter what uh, ideas or themes that I have in my work, um, the, or the audience has the right to read the work in the way that they wish to read it. Uh, so I know that that sounds like a cryptic answer, but <laughs> I think that's the, the, the easiest way for me to answer that question for you is that I, I honor uh, every person's reaction, uh, whether it's uh, positive or negative, uh, to the work. To me, art should uh, not only instigate change, but it also should just instigate, period. Mm. It should make people think. It should make people uh, process what they're seeing. Uh, and... Understand, they'll understand life a little bit, just a little bit better by seeing it through the eyes of an artist. I love that. And that is a great challenge because you're right. I think especially in this day and age with all the important issues that are here, uh, a lot of the argument people dig into their side. So there's very direct arguments. So if you want direct arguments, they're, they're all around us. I'm not disparaging that. And, hey, I'm guilty of that. Okay, but, Right. But what's powerful then is you're right for art to take us out of our – uh, out of our skin to to at least see things differently, that is a powerful experience. And who knows, maybe if two folks with different views go in and experience the art, they can find some common ground perhaps. Of course. Fantastic. I wish they would do that in Washington, D.C. Right? But... <laughs> right? <laughs> that would be really good. Yes, it would. <laughs> hey, Ricardo, thank you so much for, for calling in. We wish you continued success, and we hope that everyone will get a chance to take, out, take a look at Mythic Poetic at Mecca. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. You're experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. Again, I want to thank all the folks that took the time to call in to, to get the word out about the word. And we want to thank our listeners. We did have to kind of change up the lineup. I know you're used to a few more songs, longer songs, a longer soapbox. Some folks may be glad that I got off my soapbox sooner. <laughs> I had a 
condense that as well. But as I mentioned earlier, we are making up for some of the interviews that we could not air uh, last week because of the great uh, ice snow storm that attacked us and of course there's just so much going on with the arts that we wanted to make sure to get to to everyone that we didn't have a chance to talk to and there's at least two exhibits that are ongoing that i hope you don't miss and again they're at mecca which is 1900 cane right off of washington street and silver and then of course also at stages theater in conjunction with Tintero projects Today, I'm looking forward to hanging out with some folks as you come down to 419 Love It to become a volunteer for either the radio show, which you're experiencing now, or the live showcase, which is coming back every last Wednesday of the month as we go to our 20th anniversary. The first one in January will be Wednesday, January 31st at 7 p.m. That's going to be free with the focus on education and February will be all about voting. Today I signed up five more folks. I will get to a thousand new registered voters. Hey, let me know if you want to help out. Again, hey Jack, thank you so much, Jack, for helping out. You are more than welcome, Tony. Glad we could pull it together this afternoon. Love it. I <laughs> love it. And on behalf of the whole crew, Marlene, Lupe, Brian, Liana, Chewy, Alexis, Joe. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Look forward to seeing you at some of these great events, and I look forward to seeing you Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays. This is Tony Diaz. You can see more of me at TonyDiaz.net. And can't wait to change the world through words with you. See you next week. We'll play out. Stay tuned for Coming to America. We'll, they'll have more time to talk about all the immigration issues coming up, and maybe they'll let me sneak in on the air, too. Talk to you next week. Bye. like to get involved with producing radio for KPFT, consider coming out for the first Saturday Skillshare, 10 a.m. the first Saturday of the month. We'll take two hours to teach anyone who attends how to mix radio on a soundboard and basic editing using KPFT's recording studio. If you've got something to teach, get in touch to offer to share your skills as well. You can email me at patrick at kpft.org or just drop in on the first Saturday of the month at 10 a.m. See y'all there. Your tax-deductible car donation helps make great radio. When you donate a car, truck, motorcycle, SUV, RV, or boat, we turn what is often a burden to many people into great educational programming. Proceeds from your vehicle donation benefit KPFT. 
Join others in your community by donating a car and helping create opportunities for local arts, music, and culture to flourish. Our car donation program offers fast, free pickup and towing from anywhere, an easy donation process, and an optimal charitable tax deduction. Call 1-855-573-8227 or visit kpft.org to donate. Again, that's 1-855-KPFT-CALL.